The third lesson is from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. We continue this evening with the fourth of our five midweek series, sermon series for Lent, talking about the Lord's Supper and fellowship in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a blessing from God given to you, his church, and it is a gift and a good thing. But it can be spiritually harmful for people who are not prepared and ready to receive it. Previously, we talked about when they approach the altar saying no to people who will de deny the substance and the purpose of the Lord's Supper. Speaking no to those who are themselves causing division in the church by holding on to false doctrines and confession of the faith, saying no to those who are not repentant for their sins. Well, tonight we're going to talk about saying no for people who want to come to the Lord's Supper, for people who refuse to be reconciled with other people. Or namely, or to put it another way, for people who want from God what they're not willing to give to other people forgiveness. Of all of the possible sins, and of course we know there are many sins, I'd say unforgiveness for Christians is particularly a bad one. Think about it. In the Lord's Prayer, there's even the qualification when we are asking God to forgive our sins, when we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, we even qualify it to the Lord saying, forgive me as I have forgiven other people. And even in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus first spoke the Lord's Prayer, where we say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, something the church added on later, Jesus says, if you don't forgive your brother in your heart, neither will your father forgive you. Those are the first words out of his mouth after he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And then, of course, Jesus spoke the very clear parable about the unmerciful servant. One I think we probably have heard enough and know well, where the man is forgiven a very large debt from his master, and after being forgiven, he turns around and demands that a small debt that somebody, another servant, owed him be paid completely in full. And that parable ends with the first man being thrown into prison until he repays his own first debt because he while wanting mercy from his master, would not show mercy to his neighbor. Such an important lesson is this problem of unforgiveness that that parable of the unmerciful servant is even included in our lectionary and has been for the better part of 1,200 or so years. On the 22nd Sunday of Trinity, we hear that. Now, Jesus and his church want to drive home this point. Someone that says, I am a Christian, but refuses to forgive, refuses to forgive other people, there are in fact big consequences for that. So why is unforgiveness such a bad thing? Why is it such a big deal? Well, I think it's simple really. 
because it's massively hypocritical, isn't it? We are being hypocrites to ask for God one thing that we refuse to give to others. Think about it. Think about your own sin. The degree to which you know how bad off you are, the degree to which you know that you are, as we say on Sundays, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. That's a pretty big debt. You don't deserve mercy from God. You don't deserve pardon. You don't deserve grace. But what do we do? In spite of all that, we approach God, our Father, and ask for forgiveness, ask for mercy in spite of our sins for the sake of Christ. And what's more, no sooner are the words out of our mouth, the thought in our hearts and minds that God says, I do forgive you. For the sake of my Son, Jesus Christ, you are pardoned. So how bad is it then for the Christian who longs for those pardoning words from God and his gospel, who longs to hear Jesus say, I love you, you are mine and in fellowship with me, how bad is it for that person to then turn around and say to somebody else, but I'm not going to forgive you. What you have done is too great for pardon. Think about the story of the Pharisee and the Sadducee, the Pharisee rather, and the publican, the tax collector, as they're praying in the temple. The Pharisee's praying, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. That's a pretty bad story because that Pharisee didn't realize how truly bad and in need of God's grace that he was. But we do realize that. The Christian knows how bad off he is. We should not and do not pray like the Pharisee in any way, shape, or form. Lord, I'm more the deserving of your favor than other people. So for us then, in our knowledge of our sinfulness and God's depths of his mercy, to turn around and not to forgive our brother, the debt that he owes us. If you look up hypocrisy in the dictionary, surely this would be a top contender for the example that would illustrate it. But more than just hypocrisy, such an attitude in the heart of a Christian, I think, betrays a degree of unbelief. It shows, I think, when we do this, that we do not truly value God's grace for what it is because we're not so freely paying it forward as we have been freely given it. It shows a degree of unbelief because we're actually, as we've heard them already, not taking God's threats toward us of unforgiveness toward others, we're not taking them seriously. And even worse, I think perhaps of all, it shows a degree of unbelief because it shows that we think that we are on a higher plane than God, right? Think of it. I want God to wipe out all of my sins like I never thought them, never said them, never did them. All the bad I've done, all the good I haven't done, I say, God, forgive me. I want you to not even consider it. God, my creator, the one who made me in all the universe. That's the attitude I want. That's the thing I want from him. And then, to turn to another human being, another creature, and say, you must pay me. I am more worthy of justice. I am more worthy of righteousness than the God who made me. That is what we are saying when we refuse to be reconciled with our brother. For a Christian to approach God, for a Christian to approach the table of forgiveness, the Lord's Supper, with this attitude in his heart, 
That is a dangerous thing indeed. Along with the unbelief and the purpose and the essence of what the Lord's Supper is, along with the divisiveness and doctrine, along with unrepentance, to approach God with unforgiveness, no desire to be reconciled in our hearts, shows that we are not in fact discerning the body as Paul tells us that we ought to. And at best, if that is our attitude in our heart, we do eat and drink judgment upon ourselves. This is another heavy one, but it is an important one. And I think that it's one that we ought to consider. It's not to say that we can and even do go back through our lives and consider every single little thing and you try and call up that person from grade school who you were mean to or something. Not talking about that, but, or who was mean to you rather, but that you don't hold on to things willingly. That you don't say, I have not forgiven this person and I know I have not and I hope one day God will forgive me for my not forgiving. He has already said no. So don't do it. If you have something in your heart against your brother, your Christian brother, if they have something against you, go and reconcile with them. Do as the third lesson tells you. Leave the gift at the altar. Leave and go fix it first. Because this altar is a wonderful place, a place of reconciliation and forgiveness, and it's a wonderful gift that God does give to you. He gives you forgiveness here so long as you are not holding that forgiveness back from somebody who desperately wants it from you. So dear Christians, in your lives, you know the situations, I don't. You know them in your minds and heart, I don't. Wherever they are, don't hold it back. Forgive fully and freely just as God and Jesus Christ has so lavishly forgiven you. Having done so then, you are well prepared. Then, come to this table, though unworthy, and be the honored guest and the recipient of the riches of heaven that God wants to give to you.